You're now listening to the A Place of Refuge Productive Living Podcast with Bishop Barry D. Walker. A Place of Refuge vision is to cause people to be productive in every aspect of life according to God's Word. For more information, please stop by our website at www.aplaceofrefugechurch.org. Now, here's today's message already in progress. Contextually, affliction is a reference to three, three things. First, it's a reference to suffering. Whether mental, emotional, or physical distress. Second, It's a reference to heartache. You're afflicted and is affecting your heart. Biblically, the heart represents the mindset, the choices. Even what you utter out of your mouth. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. When you're going through affliction, you have to be careful when it comes to your your words. Because when you're going through it in in, in your body, it's easy to utter something. That could cause your pain to increase. You have to remember what Solomon said in Proverbs 18 and 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Yeah, it's it's hurting. But I have to watch the words that come out of my mouth. My heart has been broken. But I have To watch what I say. I have to watch what I say. And finally, affliction is a reference to misery. When you just, when you're just in a state of of anguish to the point to where it's just hard for you to find relief. Lord, I remember going through affliction before Christ. I relied on a blunt. Of course, back in the day, we called it a joint. Relied on vodka, gin. Hold on, without a chaser. What you want with that vodka? Nothing. I want it straight.
Even even sometime would we'll be going through it and ask for some grain alcohol. When I really wanted to get wasted, would 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 go to Alabama and get some moonshine. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Man, I done had a hard week. We, we, we got to go cross the line tonight. Then as years went, went by, got to the point to where start relying on coke. Snorting it. Got to be redundant and to the point to where it wasn't doing what I needed it to do. So, I don't like needles, but if it's going to give me that type high, let me try. And the thing about going through an affliction is that your mind can be to the point to where it's so out of whack. To where you, you may try things you would normally try. Be, because understand this. When, when it comes to an affliction, an, an affliction can be overwhelming. <laughs> overwhelming to the point to where it can control you. That thing starts driving you. Starts starts telling you what to do in the midnight hour. Then then demons get involved, and and, and for you know it, you're, you're not only hurting, but you're you're hearing voices, and, and the voices are telling you to to do things that you know you have no business doing. <laughs> but because the affliction has become overwhelming, you are allowing. <laughs> yourself to be driven to do things and and, and you do them and, and, and then in hindsight or after you have done them you are ashamed of what you did Woo, I can't believe I did that I know better than that. That ain't what mama told me. And you right. That ain't what mama told you. But that affliction has started to control you to the point to where it'll cause you to degrade yourself. I, I believe I believe all of us have a couple of things we don't want nobody to ever know. Got some stuff you so ashamed of, you don't ever want it to surface. Yeah, you you tell your testimony, but but you don't tell all of your testimony. Yeah, 98% of your testimony we know, but we ain't going to never know that 2% off. 
An affliction can be devastating to the point to where it will damage you. I mean, damage you to the point to where you you don't even want to do certain things, be around certain folk because of your affliction. I've seen folk that that, that have, have been afflicted by others to the point to where they stop trusting people. Oh, oh, so you don't believe what I'm... No, I don't believe, but, but why, why wouldn't you... Be? And it has nothing to do with the person that, that you're talking to at that time. Is It has to do with what somebody else did. And it's causing you not to trust the person that's really good to you. By trying to help you. Say to your neighbor, afflictions are real. And they can be, they can be overwhelming, overwhelming and devastating. How many understand that? That's the reason when it comes to an affliction, you need to have comfort. When you're going, when you're going through an affliction, you, you need some comfort. I said you need some comfort when you're going through an affliction. And, and you don't need the type of comfort that I, that I use before Christ. You, you don't need to resort to no alcohol, drugs, or, or whatever. You don't need that type of comfort. And you, you have to understand what, what comfort is. Number one, when it comes to comfort, Comfort is something that should be helpful to you. It's going to help you. It's not going to be a patch. Seem like it's happened, but then then you end up worse. Like with the alcohol and the drugs and so See, that's a patch. And say to your neighbor, I don't, I don't care how good the patch is. A patch does not work. Sooner or later, that patch gonna, that patch gonna start lifting up or something gonna happen with that patch. Yeah, you patch your tire, but it didn't last. You have to understand that real comfort is going to be a help to you. Second, comfort is well-being. It causes you to be optimistic in reference to what you're going through. You don't want to go through an affliction and you're always down. No. You, You want to start being cheerful in the midst of what you're going through. And, and, and even biblically, that's the reason James said to the 12 tribes that were going through a great affliction, a trial, that they needed to count it all joy. Letting them know point blank, you need to be optimistic. You need to start being cheerful even though you're going through a downtime. You need to start looking up even though things are 
seemingly in a downward spiral. When someone or something is a comfort to you, you become optimistic. You don't wait till you come out of the battle and get optimistic. You get optimistic or cheerful in the battle. Are you, are you listening to me? You have to be cheerful in the battle. And the final thing it means to have real comfort uh, is actually what it means literally. And to comfort literally means to strengthen completely. To strengthen completely. That means when I'm really receiving com- comfort, all of a sudden mentally, I'm stronger. Emotionally, I'm strong. Even physically, I'm strong. And I know that, that, that comfort is truly taking place. Comfort is so awesome when it, when it's real. It can cause you to be strengthened completely inwardly as well as outwardly. It'll start on the inside of you. And when, when comfort gets to working on the inside of you, it, it'll manifest with a smile on your face. Won't be no cheap smile either. Be a real smile. You don't see them cheap smiles. That's, that's what I call them. When somebody just throw you a little quick grin, you'd be like, oh, Lord, that's fake. That's pseudo. That ain't no genuine smile. And, and then you'll know comfort as taking root on the inside of you when you start speaking things that are not as though they were. Yeah, you in your affliction, but but because you're being confident, you're starting to say things like, I'm going to come out of this. I'm, I'm going to be better when I come out of this than I was when I went in. Man, I'm going to have a good testimony because of this right here. But you have to have a comfort. And, and if you'll notice contextually, or according to Psalm 119, 49 and 50, that the psalmist's comfort in his affliction was a rhyme of word. And he reminded God in his affliction that his word is what was causing him to have some hope. In his affliction, he, he revealed his, his comfort as God's word. How I many that's your comfort? God's word. You don't come to church just to come to church. You come to church to get some comfort. I better read this verse one more time. Some of y'all look, looked at me a little strange then. No, I don't mind reading it again. Look, look at this right here. Psalm 118, 49. Remember the word to your servant upon which you have caused me to help me. This is my comfort in my what? His word was his comfort in the time of his affliction. The word of God. 
was his comfort during his affliction. The word. Something that was said that was also tailored or specifically for what the man was dealing with. And that's what we get from God. Week in and week out. God, God will drop something on us that we need. How I many when you come to church, you get your rainbow? Ain't nothing wrong with a poem, a hoop, and two points, but you come specifically to church for your rain. Yeah, you do. You come to church for your rain. Good to get emotional? Yeah, we, we are emotional people. But bottom line, you don't want to get emotional and leave without your Woo, it was a good song. Oh, I'm happy, but I need my rainbow. <laughs> Woo, Pastor, really? Such and such and such and such, but I need my rainbow. Especially during an affliction. Let, let me show you a couple of things about God's word. Y'all ready? Let's go to Proverbs 30. I don't want to quote these. I want to, I want to read these. Proverbs 30th chapter, verse 5. Remember, when it comes to a proverb, a proverb primarily reveals truth, whether divine or literal. It reveals truth. Amen? Proverbs 30 and 5. Every word of God is, every word of God is what? Pure Pure equates real or genuine. God's word gives real comfort. You, You can't treat God's word like a good saying. And just say, I'm going to meditate on this good saying. It's going to make me feel better. God's word is bigger and deeper than that. If God's word tells you you're going to be healed, expect his word to perform a surgery on you. God's word is pure or Real. See, see, sometimes we, we, we'll take God's word as if it's just a saying just to make us feel better. No. No. If God tells you he's going to cause you to prosper through a word, you take his word and say, I'm going to prosper. Why? God just put it in me. He just put a seed in me to prosper. He just put a seed in me to get healed. He just put a seed in me to get this, that, and the other. His word is pure or real. That there is nothing phony about God's word. If God tells you he's going to do something, that's what he's going to do. 
That's the reason Isaiah decreed in Isaiah 55, once he sends forth his word, it will not return unto him void. It's going to accomplish everything that he sent it to do. He even gave an an analogy and, and talked about how even as the rain comes down from heaven, and, and it waters the earth and then it causes seed to come forth and bud. That's the way his word operates. In other words, it's a process. God will put a word of healing in you and, and, and it may take 30 days to go through the process, but your healing is on the way. That's the reason if God gave you a word in reference to your healings 45 days ago, whatever you do, don't you give up on God's word. You let that word be a comfort to you because if God sent it, it's not going to return unto him void. Somebody in here believes that. I find somebody say, I know God done sent me a word. And it's not going to return unto me void. That's the reason you never allow what God sends you to just fall to the ground. I said that's the reason you never allow what God sends you to just fall to the ground. What do you mean? To pay attention for one minute but then to let it go. Don't ever let what God gave you on a Sunday, on a Tuesday, or even during the week fall to the ground. Because if he said it, he'll do it. He'll bring that thing to pass. Say to your neighbor, I don't care if it was a year ago, God told you he was going to bring you out. Don't you let that word fall to the ground. Jesus, Jesus even said, look, you have to be careful when you get your rhema because the enemy will come and he'll try to take it out of your heart. Say to your neighbor, you got to hold on to the word that God gives you. Is valuable. You know if the devil or demons are trying to get it, it's valuable. You know if the enemy is trying to get your word, he knows that it's going to produce in you what God sent it to do. Some of us, when we were in poverty, God sent us a word saying we were going to be wealthy. Saying we were going to come out of our predicament. Some of you in here, when you were battling cancer in your body, when you were battling heart disease, sugar, or what have you, God sent you a word. You held on to that word and look. Look at what God did for you. Bottom line, the word changed our lives. I said, the word changed our lives. The word changed our, the word changed my, if it changed your life, jump on your feet and tell somebody the word changed my life. The word changed my life. You ain't got to smile about it if you don't mean it, but I'm telling you, the word changed my life. If it had been for the word, I would still be snoring, shooting, drinking, and so forth. But the word changed my life. (laughs) 
I love Brother Ant's testimony when he talks about how he would still be homeless if it hadn't been for the word. As mama, how you beat cancer four times? The word. Four times she beat it? Yeah, how? The word. Is the word that powerful? Yeah, that's reading the Bible says, no weapon formed against you shall what? Prosper. Why? Because you got the word. Say to your neighbor, the word is so powerful. It'll stop every attack that comes against you. The attacks will be full. The attacks will come. But the word of God is so powerful that it will stop the attacks from doing what they desire to do. That's the reason Jesus insisted on his disciples getting and eating the word. You know what he said in Matthew 4 and 4. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Letting them know you got to have the word. If you're going to make it in life, if you're going to make it through your trials, if you're going to make it through your tribulations, you've got to have the word. If you're going to overcome this, that, and the other, you have to have the word. If you're going to go from step zero to step ten, you have to have the word. If you're going to come out of the predicament that you find yourself in, you have to have the word. If you're going to overcome disease, sickness, or whatever is attacking your body, you have to have the word. If you're going to be prosperous in this life you have to have the word if you're going to receive all that I have ordained for you to have you have to have the say that you'll never you need the word you need the word you need the word let's take it further let's go to Luke let's go to the book of Luke how many know you need the word consider Luke the 11th chapter We'll start at verse 27, Luke 11. The psalmist found comfort in God's word during his time of affliction. But notice here in Luke 11, we'll start at verse 27. Primary verses, verse 28. I'm reading 27 for clarity. Notice and it happened as he spoke these things, that Jesus spoke these things, that a certain woman from the crowd raised her voice and said to him, this is what she said to Jesus, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast which nerves you, giving praise to his mama, a Mary. But then, verse 28, but Jesus said, more than that, blessed are those, number one, who hear the word of God, number two, and keep it. Say to your neighbor, you got to hear it, and then keep it. That was my worry for my healing. Don't let nothing or nobody take what God gave you. When you get to going through hard times, 
No matter what you lose, no matter what you battle, you hold on to what God told you. And you let God know like the psalm, the psalm like, hey, this your servant. Remember the word what you gave your servant. And you have to say, God, you told me through my pastor. You told me on a Sunday morning. Matter of fact, Lord, it was May 7th, 2017. You told me that you were going to do such and such. And Lord, I got it right here. Because I know what you said in Luke 11 and 28. You said, don't only hear it, but keep it. Ask your neighbor, I wonder if you're holding on to something God told you. How many in here in the midst of your affliction, you're holding on to something God told you? See, when you're holding on to God's word, you don't worry about the times. Because time's going to change. You don't worry about the ups and downs because life comes with ups and downs. You just hold on to the word. You hold on because of verses like Matthew 24 and 35. Heaven and earth shall pass, but not what God's word. Say to your neighbor, God's word ain't going to never pass. Oh, let God Almighty say to somebody else, God's word is never going to pass. How many believe that by a show of hands? Heaven and earth shall what? But not? Say to him, I'm holding on to what he told me. I don't care if it was 10 years ago. I don't care if it was 10 minutes ago. Whatever God told you, you got to hold on to it. Blessed are they that hear the word of God and you're blessed. And see, theologically, or from God's standpoint, when you're blessed, that means in one sense that you're highly favored. That means you are in a position to where God not only wants to do something for you, he's going to do it. Look at the verse. Blessed are those that what? Hear it and keep it. If you just hear it and keep it, you're walking in divine favor. Just because you're holding on to it, certain things can't take you out. Why? You're walking in divine favor. Blessed are they that hear it and say to your neighbor, I'm walking in divine favor. Because I hear God's word and I keep it. Oh, that can't touch me right there. I'm walking in divine favor. I still got the word that God gave me. There's no way this going to take me out. I'm too blessed to be stressed over I remember when I didn't have a, I didn't, I didn't have much money at all when I would put pennies on the altar. I thank you, Lord, that you done already blessed me with more than enough. I kept saying it. I said it for years. God will bring to pass what he done promised. 
How many know you're blessed because you hold on to the word? And so back in Psalm 119, 49 and 50, as I close. Remember what, he's, remember what he said here in the 49th verse. Remember your word to your servant. And notice the word calls him to hope. And it calls him to hope as well as to have comfort based upon verse 50 in his time of affliction. Hope. You, you, you have to have hope. And, and you have to remember according to Romans 8, 24 and 25 in part. That when you have hope. It says that naturally speaking you're, you're not seeing what your flesh desires to see. Because Romans 8 and 24 says, why should a person hope for what he sees? But goes on to say, but, but if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it. Wait for it equates expected. We expect it. I'm expecting it. And see, he was in his affliction, but he was expecting deliverance. See, you got, you got to expect God to do things. See, see if you, you are expecting God to do something, you won't be disappointed. Bible says hope does not disappoint. Talking about divine hope. The reason hope does not disappoint is because hope equates faith. Hebrews 11 and 1. Faith is the substance of things hope for. And see, hope being faith causes God to step in and reward you in reference to your expectation. Why is that? Hebrews 11 and 6. Without it or faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. God has to reward your faith or your hope. That's the reason you never Allow your expectation to fall to the ground. I don't care if, if worse reaches an all time high. You still don't give up your hope. You still hang on to your faith. The Bible says in reference to a woman with an issue of blood that, that she went to many physicians and instead of getting better, she got worse. But the one thing she didn't lose was, was her expectation or her hope. She still had faith. She, she, just, she just turned her faith from the doctors to Jesus. 
I said she turned her faith from the doctors to Jesus. And when she came and saw the crowd, it was obvious that woman had hope down on the inside of her. Even though she was bleeding at the time. For she sat at the back of the crowd. If I can just do what them folk up there are already doing. What were they doing? They were already touching him. She said, if I can just touch. I don't need his hand. I don't need his feet. I just need to touch his clothes. Because if I touch his clothes, I will be made whole. Say to your neighbor, you got to expect your healing before you even get a touch. In the midst of your misery, you got to start confessing your healing. In the midst of your affliction, you got to start talking about your better. In the midst of your problem, you've got to start talking about God resolving it. And everything she said at the back, when she made her way through the crowd... And finally touched him. It manifests. Everything she said came to fruition. And Jesus the man said, who touched me? His disciples said, look, how can we tell everybody's touching you? He said, hey, but somebody touched me. And some virtue went out. What does it connote? Jesus knew somebody touched him with expectation that had hope in their heart. And finally, the woman said, well, I better confess. And she told him the whole truth. You understand what I'm saying? Your hope in the midst of your affliction will cause divine manifestation of what you desire. He'll manifest whatever you desire. Do you hear me? Well, that was that woman. Oh, you don't understand scripture. The Lord is no respecter of what he did for one. He'll do for another. Is that right? Finally, back in Psalm 119 and verse 50, notice he, he said in reference to the word that he was hoping for or being comforted by in his affliction that your word has given me life. He's not talking about normal existence, is he? Your word has given me I want you to understand what, what it means contextually. Number one, it's obvious that God was restoring a fixing the person that was being afflicted at the time. A restoration was taking place. He was fixing what needed to be fixed. Why? 
Because he confessed it. Your word has given me what? Life. Number two. A reviving. Was taking place. I said a reviving was taking place. He was causing things to come forth that had either died or was stagnant. And how many know God to do that? God can God God don't wait for what we call revival to revive us. Every time you come in here, you should get revived. Why? Because because to be revived in one sense means to bring you back to life. You can come in here spiritually dead. In the sense of you are allowing your flesh to be more out front than your spirit. Or breaking it down, you are allowing yourself to be led by your flesh instead of your spirit. But God can send you a word that will revive you to the point to where you will put your flesh under subjection. And you will start walking in the spirit. But ultimately, when he decreed that his word had given him life, it means the God kind of existence. I tell people that 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 I'm in the world, but my primary objective is to live by the principles of God. I don't break no law, but law don't come before the principles of God. Why? Because I want the God kind of existence. I don't want normal existence. When folks tell me you got to live by common sense, I don't have to live by no common sense. I, I, I live by what God told me to live. God, it ain't nowhere in God's Bible the way he tell you to live by common sense. Nowhere. Not a just person. Now y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. The Bible says point blank. Whether it's a buckle, Hebrews, or Romans, the just shall live by faith. Faith and common sense are as different as heaven from the earth as far as distance. You tell folks you're expecting God to bless you and you ain't got no money, they'll look at you like you're crazy. If they believe in common sense. But we know if God can speak those things that are not as though they were and everything he speaks come to be, why can't he do the impossible for us? Hold on. If we believe. 
If thou canst believe, all things are what? And so, he talks about how his word that gave him life is the God kind of life. Don't live beneath your privileged child of God. There's your choice. God made you a free moral agent. But, but why should you, you live like a sinner when you're a saint? Why should you live like you're not an heir of God when the Bible calls you an heir of God? Folk be like, you, you so arrogant, you, you ain't no heir. I say, yeah, I am an heir of God. And let me show you why. Well, that just sounds, I don't care how it sounds, it may sound arrogant, but it's Bible. The Bible calls us heirs of and join heirs with Oh, so you think you're supposed to be living a certain way? Yes. Why? John 10, 10. The thief comes not before the steal, kill, and destroy. But he came that I might have and that more. Then you, you can reach back in the Old Testament and, and decree basically the same thing. It was just put in different words. He told the Israelites that he wants them to live above and never to be the and not and you can go further he said I want to bless you when you come in and when you step out I want to do it for you whether you're in the city or in the field what we call the country that's when you ain't got to run to no Atlanta for no money you can be blessed right here hold on hold your claps if you live by the principles of God. I better stop right there. Let's give God a hand of praise. Woo. Thank you for listening to the A Place of Refuge Productive Living Podcast with Bishop Barry D. Walker. Please stop by our website for more information on our church at www.aplaceofrefugechurch.org. Until next time, remember, Jesus came that you might have life and have it more abundantly.